It's no secret, data teams all the way up to the office of the CDO face challenges with the ever-evolving data landscape. So Michael and I took the opportunity to chat with Cyrus Facciano and Jared Langu from XSY, a data analytics and process agency out of New Zealand, about what trends they're seeing and how they recommend clients overcome these challenges in this episode of Data Aware, a podcast about all things data engineering. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Data Aware podcast. I am back with Michael this week. Hello, Michael. Hey, Leslie, good to be here. Well, thanks for joining me again. I'm glad I didn't scare you off the first time. (laughs) But Michael and I are back today to actually talk with one of our partners about a topic that is obviously really interesting to us and to anybody in the data engineering space and is near and dear to our partner's heart as well, which is kind of the challenges that the office of the CDO and even kind of the entire data team faces when it just comes to day-to-day work and being productive and getting what they need done for the business. And I think every company kind of has a different challenge, but you can kind of start to start to see the same uh, trends emerging. So that's what we're going to chat about today. So we have some, like I said, very special guests from one of our partners, a company called XSY, which they'll explain that in a second. We've got Cyrus Fasciano, which I'm going to butcher these names again, like I told them before we started, and I apologize, but we've got Cyrus Fasciano and Jared Languth on the line with us. So Cyrus and Jared, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. Yeah, great. Good, thanks. Good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So why don't you guys... First, just tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce your voices so people can tell y'all apart and then tell us a little bit about, again, you guys and about X is Y. And then from there, we'll just kind of start diving into the topic. Yeah. Hey, I'm Jared. Um, So I've got a a 20 odd year background in software development. So data and analytics weren't really my thing apart from using it or having the teams use it across my career. So in the last couple of years, I moved across to join XSY with Cyrus to bring the software development best practices across to that DNA space where typically we've seen uh, experience being a a bit more uh, self-warrior, sort of, I do everything myself and trying to bring the best practices across. So that's that's what I bring to to the space. Cool. Yeah. And and I'm Cyrus and uh, I've been kicking around in this industry for a little while, um, rel- have been relatively entrepreneurial, had a, a pretty technical start um, and, and, you know, with technical t- uh, companies and, and technical roles. And then over the years have sort of transitioned more into starting businesses and getting into management consulting and working more with business leaders. So applying data and analytics and automation technologies to, to solve problems for business leaders and help them with strategy. So in terms of X is Y, um, so we're basically a management consultancy that uses digital tools as our weapons. Uh, We work with business leaders to help them agree and align on their strategic goals as a starting point. And then we follow up with um, delivery uh, using agile and contemporary ways of working and technologies to help them deliver efficiently and meaningfully. So glad you guys could be here. Tell us a little bit about uh, the market that you're in and, you know, the kind of businesses that you work with. Give us a little bit of a thumbnail of your practice. Well, we're from New Zealand, um, land of the, the COVID-free. 
<laughs> almost. Uh, we're, almost. Yeah, I mean, we're we're we en- we're enjoying it. Um, yeah, and uh, we we look we look after primarily in only the New Zealand market, um, and we work primarily with commercial organisations. But you know, that's not to say that you know we might consider growth outside of New Zealand at some time. But um, you know, we're incubating quite heavily here in New Zealand at the moment. So. And it's summer, so it's nice and warm here at the moment. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, um, we've been working together for a little while now. And one of the things that I see you guys doing really well is engaging with leadership around data projects and uh, helping them steer a direction of where they should go. What are some of the common pain points that you run into as you start to articulate the need for data teams and you know, want to help them get more tooled up for the digital world? Yeah, I think um, probably uh, the, the presenting problem we often see is a curiosity from business leaders about what more they could do with data or that they're missing something, some degree of FOMO about, you know, what we're not doing with data or um, alternatively, you know, growth opportunities that they might be looking for that they're not able to to exploit because of, you know, deficiencies in their data teams, um, or um, more commonly um, in terms of where the benefits are, um, just massive inefficiencies and confusion about what are the, what's the real metric, you know, what, what is the real number and the amount of time um, and energy that's wasted accessing, preparing, and arguing over whose data is the right one and whose definitions are right. So that's often what we hear about. And uh, usually what sits behind that when we dig a little deeper is um, ironically a misalignment and confusion about actually what their strategic goals are, which is why that's where we start is, you know, why are we here as an organization? What are our goals, both operationally and strategically? And that sets the scene in the context for everything that follows and the efficiencies and the growth and, you know, all those sorts of things can, can be released from that agreement. Jared, what are some of the environments that you end up stepping into, you know, from a technology perspective? What's, what's, what's some of the legacy that you see before they have a chance to talk to you? Yeah, it's a, definitely a mix and match depending on where the company's at with their maturity for data and analytics. Uh, some of them have a few small teams, some have a few people, some of them have finance, have a few uh, data and analytics people, and then you have another department that have a few people and they're all kind of operating independently with their own data silos. Um, some have bigger teams uh, where they have, have all their, their ETL people in one place and they have all their visualization in one place and they have their operations in one place and they're still not operating effectively because they don't know how to pass work between them or as Cyrus said, they're just working on things that get given to them that aren't aligned to strategy. Yeah, so where would you, what, what's your first step? Like what is, what is the first recommendation that you typically kind of walk in with is there is there kind of a standard starting point i mean obviously it, every client's different but the difference is usually where they are in maturity you know t- to jared's point you know they could just be you know overwhelmed with spreadsheets and have no central storage of data or anything like that at all so it really is very much a ground zero situation but fundamentally as as i mentioned before our first step is to spend time with the executive or the board ideally and understand and seek consensus with them about what are your goals 
and then from there we can turn those goals into metrics and then from those metrics we can proceed with you know where we go next you know that that's a pretty foundational baseline start and that's usually in New Zealand at least where a lot of organizations are at you know whilst they might have data scientists and BI developers and all sorts of capability in the business when you really dig down most of them are lacking the fundamental baseline performance metrics that are understood agreed and centralized for them to proceed and do cool things like prioritization and focus and areas that are going to actually move the needle to metrics that matter for them as a business so that's where we start is, is workshopping you know using design thinking and, and techniques like that to help drive consensus you know seek understanding and then from there we can kind of scope out okay based on those things here's what we need to do and that's when we move more into delivery and those workshops give a a natural team building exercise where they have got together they've they've written some things on some post-it notes they've drawn some metrics themselves they've effectively created our prototype of the dashboard together as a team which builds that consensus really nicely you get that emotional attachment to hey we're all working on this together these are our operational metrics or these are our goals we're looking at and then we can all move together whereas if you don't spend the time together like that you'll have one executive going off and doing something for six months and another one doing it a couple of months later competing with each other whereas that that initial workshop really sets the scene for togetherness Mm, so, so as you get kind of alignment across the actual decision makers, you know, that need this data. So, so important with executives, like right? we've all got experience, they all know what they're doing, but if they're not in line together, then we're just going to waste our time. Yeah. It's always interesting to me that even now in 2021, there is frequently still this impedance mismatch between what's going to drive the business forward and what is either available or what the analyst teams, the data science teams, or any of the teams may be working on it. And to your point, until you have that alignment, you're not rowing the boat in the same direction. Like you're, you're, you're pulling Absolutely. each other all over the place. And it, it is just, it is, it is incredibly shocking to me that still in this day and age that we have that problem, but I have a feeling that is going to be a problem like moving forward. A lot of times executives and business level doesn't maybe doesn't know what data is actually available and what data is coming in and how it's usable or, you know, how fast it can be usable. And so they have an idea in their head of what they need and it, it either may not be possible or it may not have trickled down. And I see some companies getting through that, but I see a lot of companies that still struggle with that. It's interesting. Uh, what, one of the things you just said there about what data do we have and what could we do with our data? You know, as I said earlier, that's often how it presents to us. Like, oh, we've got all this data, surely we can do with it. And we always turn that question on its head and say, forget about the data. There's probably a really good chance you don't have the data that you truly need to achieve your goals. So let's start with the goals and then look at the data. And then we can focus on the data that matters. And that just creates all sorts of benefits in terms of focus, in terms of what we should care about with our data, what data should we manage, what data should we protect, all that sort of thing. It lets you off the hook of probably 80% of your data estate. And then also, you know, to your earlier point about, you know, 
2021 and where we're at, I think a lot of times organizations are, are not clear on, you know, I think unfortunately there's a linear sequence of events that has to happen to obtain incrementally more value from data. Yeah. And we're, we're pretty prescriptive about, you know, you start with your goals, then you move on to metrics and understand how your business is performing then you can start to ideate what do you think is driving changes in those metrics. Then you can start to hypothesize what actions could we take or have we taken and can we test causal relationships between actions we've taken, the effect on the drivers that influence the outcome. And then we are at a point where we're mature enough to start looking at things like monetizing our data, creating products with our data. And I think unfortunately a lot of organizations don't accept that sequence and they just go at it you know got some data scientists to do some predictive because that's what you're supposed to do or let's just build some data products or let's go straight to monetization you know i've been sit, I've sat with boards where the only value prop or value pool for data that they can understand is data monetization well yeah of course if you sell it you make revenue but there's many many steps you got to go through to get to the level of maturity required to do that safely. You can make just as much money by being operationally effective than you can by putting a new data product out there mm. because you can save and be more efficient in what you're doing. Is, is there a way to get um, a champion into the boardroom for what we're talking about here? Um, I think uh, it's a good point. Like um, I've always said that for you to be able to make progress as an organization, you need um, complete consensus across the executive and the board that data is important, that it's a strategic objective for the organization because it's a really hard and tumultuous road. And if you haven't got that consensus, as soon as it gets hard, you're going to fall over. And many organizations that we work with lack the consistency and the persistence to get those higher order value pulls out of it. And so I think for sure, it usually starts with a champion who um, is passionate about it, believes in the value and is really good at bringing people on the journey with them um, and selling the benefits. And I guess, you know, to the, to the point of the title of this podcast, ideally that's the CDO. And to me, that is the key skill set of a, of a good CDO is someone who can understand the technology as well as sell the benefits of what is a really complicated, quite amorphous subject area. Um, you know, it's usually the benefits are hidden or there, there are lots of little pain points or lots of little problems that are hard to, you know, get a business case across the line alone, um, but then often can be summed up and overwhelming. So I think it's that skill set of being able to find a high value problem or a high value situation, you know, uh, problem that, that they're, um, the, the organization struggling with doing something quickly and efficiently with it, creating a trophy out of it, and then using that to sell the next business case and the next benefit to get there. How does that ripple down to the rest of the team, you know, and the talent and the type of talent that you're going to need an organization to become more data driven? Yeah, it's, it's getting everyone aligned, isn't it? it? It doesn't really matter which department you are in a company. Uh, as long as the teams are aligned to the strategic goals of the company or the team or, or the part of the business, then everything should work okay. As long as we're paying attention to what we're doing, you know, 
every team working in uh, a, a cohesive way, checking hopefully weekly what they did last week or every two weeks, was it on task? Did we move any of the needles the way we wanted them to move? Should we do more of that thing because the needle moved the wrong way or the right way? And really paying attention to what is what should I be working on? We, um, we've done seminars before where we've, we've a few hundred people in the room and you can go through an exercise of getting everybody to stand up and then you slowly ask questions and the last question ending on who's working on something that is moving the company towards their goal and can prove that it has moved the company towards the goal, you'll end up with one person, if that, out of a group of 200 because we're not paying attention enough to the work we're doing. We usually receive work and we work out a way for three months, go, oh, did that work? Or, or we do a new project and we've got a bit more revenue, but we haven't realized that's actually killed something else in the company because we're not paying attention. So it's obsessively paying attention to the tasks we're doing and are they moving us towards the future. What's, what's the ripple impact from that onto technologies that are used, right? Often we're talking about organizations that are, uh, have an opportunity to upgrade the platforms that they use and the data sources that they use and the way they deliver their dashboards. You know, what's, what's the order of operation here for an organization to get to that point? Yeah, I mean, we, we try and live as far up the stack as we can. So, um, you know, there are many tools that can help automate things underneath for you so you don't have to build it yourself. You know, usually in the past, especially in the data and analytics space, people have built things from scratch with lots of SQL code, um, lots of homegrown automation and things that look good in the first year, but in the fifth year, you're, you're in the world of technical debt. So we, we live high up on this stack. So we, we recommend products to our customers, the things that are higher up. So when they're making a decision on, hey, what am I gonna change or should I make a change? We look at how much time they're spending on the admin of data and analytics. You know, how much time am I doing this task and that task and repeatedly doing it and having to fix that thing to try and show them that, okay, maybe you're spending 50% too much time in here and the business isn't getting the value because you're, you're wasting all your time. And can we pick a product that'll move you further up the stack? Yeah, keep keep it simple. I think yep. um, you know we we often find ourselves talking with architects who have a tendency to be solving for all possible problems that may come their way at any time in the future. at any time in the future. <laughs> oh, you know we need a storage for this, and we need a semantic layer for that, and we need access controls for this, and we need data services for that. And you know, next thing you know, a year has gone by and nothing has happened. And so our philosophy is start with something simple and um, make progress and if you need something if you find a practical reason why you need something else then look at it at that time um, I don't I, you know maybe in in the past you had to take a lot more time because of integration issues or you know problems that you might have with different ways that different tools work but I think we're living in an age now where there's so much more commonality between tool sets that adding stuff later on is a lot less disruptive than it used to be in the past. And I think that's why we probably recommend just get started with something simple, you know, and then move, you know, in an make, agile way. Make, yeah, make it complicated if you must, you know, persist at last resort is a, is a thing that we say 
all the time, you know, like, cause as soon as you persist something in a really structured way, it's cost to own goes through the roof and, you know, you, you know, you, you've taken on a lot of cost for, you know, poss possibly no good reason. It is always really interesting when, I almost feel like you see it in the same teams where you've got the people who build for the sake of building. They want to make something overly complex or they want to make something that they may maybe don't feel as complex, but really only they have ownership of. They're really the only ones who can use it. They build out a system that keeps them almost in a job. Yeah. And in doing that, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, which is if they are spending all of their time building out a system that is so complex that other people can't use it, or other people have to spend months ramping up on, and it takes forever to get anything done, they're not doing the work that moves the business forward. So yeah, it all definitely. just kind of ties in together on make it as simple as you can and make it as agile as you can so that you can get back to the things that are making a difference to the business. Yeah. I think it's, it's spending the time, like uh, oftentimes, you know, we hear, you know, the goal of the, of the data engineering team or the data architecture team is to give the data to the business. You know, they think that um, self-service equals put all the data in one place and then give the business tools to access the data and they can find what they want. And I've never actually seen that work. And uh, the only thing that I know that works or the only thing that we know that works is work with the business and develop it much like a product. You know, that's why, you know, Jared's, you know, input into this business has been so strong is because we're taking that software development product mentality to working with the customer, working with the users and iterating through their needs at the front rather than saying, okay, here's all the data yeah. job done. You know, yeah. Good luck with that. Totally. It's a group effort, right? You can't, you can't have um, a self-service platform and expect the people at the end to know exactly what they should be doing to put it together and that magically all the data is going to be perfect for them and they can answer all their questions. It's just, mm. it's just not possible in this complex world, but working together in the way you do software where the business is in there, we're talking, we're, we're being agile, we're going through it, we're user testing before we do the complex stuff and it's a, it's a product, it lives forever. And we work at it together. We don't just do it once and go, okay, you did it a year ago. It'll be good forever. It's a constant iteration. And, and that does get expensive in the same way software development. If you're doing it properly, it's expensive. You have to have the people to make it work. Isn't there a bit of a mindset between like a difference between a capital spend mindset where you're like, okay, I need to have a big project and I get to spend a lot of money and a lot of people just build the perfect thing that can go alive a year from now versus the modern world, which is pay as you go, get things up running quickly, you know, and learn as you go, as you develop your business around that. Are you still seeing that dichotomy in a lot of your clients? Totally. Absolutely. I mean, there's a saying that the, the amount of waste is proportional to the size of the budget, you know, so <laughs> big budgets always equal lots of waste. And, um, that's why, you know, for us, when we work with our clients, it's not a big budget project you know it's it's small incremental bites that we take and we measure our value every sprint you know if we're not providing value at every sprint then we're not doing our job and so i think to your point like that you know pay-as-you-go infrastructure um, pay-as-you-go sprinting 
you know, anything can be switched off at any time if it's not working for you and you haven't lost anything. You've, you've eliminated that waste that you get. Um, and so, yeah, totally believe in that philosophy. Does that have a knock-on effect on the, on the skills? Like what is a data engineer and what do they do and what's the job of a data analyst? Yeah, we work in agile teams, so we don't, we don't have a, an engineering team by itself and a, an analyst team by itself um, and a visualizer by itself. They are a cohesive product team. Uh, so if anything, you get more blurring because the, the benefits you get from helping each other are, are crazy. Like you know, having one person in your company just know about that system is disastrous when that person leaves where you want to upgrade it because they've made some decisions by themselves and they haven't shared what they were doing and they get lazy because we all do. So by having this nice cohesive team, you're talking about what you're doing. You have to have someone check what you're doing in the team uh, if you're doing code based. So that the skills become less siloed, I believe, where the data engineer, if we're talking moving and changing data and modeling, uh, can also learn the visualization side because we're both sharing that back and forth. You know, the extremes of data science is a different, different ball game because it's a different skill set, but still data scientists are still usually moving and changing data. And so they get to give a bit of input into the team and they are ultimately more prepared uh, when they get to do their work because they've seen what's happened before them. But I still think that there's benefit in these communities of practice. So whilst you might get these hybrid individuals that can do engineering and visualization, we still believe that you, you should pick a primary because the primary is your skill set that you are focused on, it's what you train in. Um, sure, you can help do some visualization if you're a hybrid data engineer, but yep. your primary focus is excellence in data engineering. And so, um, and you know, if you were to form a chapter or a community of practice around it, you would discuss tools and techniques and tips and tricks and lessons learned in data engineering. But yeah, agree totally you know a good cohesive team can turn their hand in anything when needed because the nature of the work changes sprint by sprint and so you know one sprint might be all heavy data engineering and very little viz or the next one might be all about viz and very little data engineering so if you have to constantly change team members because of the nature of the sprint goals are changing it, it, you just you, you lose pace and you know you lose you lose your cadence pretty quick mm. and as we do work further up the stack meaning we're not installing servers, patching servers, installing software, um, you know, automation happens for you, then there's less of that to worry about. And it's more just, mm. have I got that data in a good shape? Have I transformed that correctly? Um, is it showing on the page as it should in a good performant way? Um, have I answered the questions with my data science mm. rather than have I installed and upgraded the latest bit of software and downloaded it and is it running effectively? Mm. What you're saying, and I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, maps back really well to kind of what we're hearing and, and what I've heard in the past. And there's so there's so much work that has already been done. And there are so many great things that are happening with data teams. And there's so much work that still can be done and so many really phenomenal things that can happen with teams as they get this alignment that you're talking about. Like, I think it's really exciting to think about the future of what, like, what some of these teams can do uh, when they have that alignment, when they have the right pieces in play. So I guess what I would love to hear from you guys as kind of almost a, a summary is, what are you seeing as the next wave of 
you know, whether it be technologies or work or ideas or whatever it might be, what are you seeing as the next wave for this? And what are y'all excited about as you're thinking about working with these companies and these teams over the next, you know, one, two, however many years? Like what has got you guys really stoked about the future of this? Yeah, for me, it's the making work not work. So if, <laughs> if, if work is fun, like you go to work, you enjoy the stand-up, you get something out of it, you're learning, you're getting the chemical releases when you're constantly achieving your small tasks that you yeah. do and the team gets when we release our goals. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. That's the thing that excites me. I had it in software development, building that culture of, of succeeding and helping doing it in data analytics we see it with our clients when we go in and you come away from a weekly meeting with executives who are bombarded with emails and, and context switching but they make this hour to come to this meeting and then they then they say hey this is the most interesting thing i do each week i love coming to this meeting you know things like that or the teams that you're with start getting really excited about even that admin you're doing through sprinting of because they can they get the chemical releases because it's it's all about the chemical releases right that's why we're happy so it's it's achieving that so that's what i'm excited about is seeing more companies working in that place where uh, they can enjoy work and it's not oh i've got to go to work again today you know they they want to go in because they get reward from it yeah to totally ditto, ditto to that and um i think for me the thing that keeps me going and gets me really excited is using measurement and data to help people become fulfilled and see their purpose being fulfilled mm -hmm. you know um measurement of uh, knowing what it is you're being measured on and seeing the impact on those measurements is valuable and it's motivating for anyone so being able to um, know that when i do this thing it's going to have the biggest impact on the metrics that matter to our business knowing that that is what is going to happen to me is like the ultimate future state for me and i sort of am dying to get to that point with someone <laughs> sometime <laughs> because you know we've been working at it for a long time and um you know we're, we're on our way with a few clients at the moment but i'm still yet to get to that point where we're able to test hypotheses and know that action X is going to have impact Y, or, you know, we know that these types of actions are going to have the impact that we're looking for. Um, and, and that to me is what gets me really excited about data and analytics. Yeah. You know, I kind of laugh, obviously I commit and not surprised to be listening, commit from the you know, marketing side of things. Even for me on the marketing side of things, you get frustrated if when you talk to other marketers, you talk to people and they're like, oh, I don't, metrics, no, don't, let's not look at metrics. I'm like, how can you not? You have yeah. to look at this. You have to understand this. And when you see the numbers, like looking at a graph, when the numbers are going up and to the right, like there's really not much of a better feeling. And so I can like extrapolating that down, you want everybody to be able to feel that way and i can imagine from an analytics team perspective and a data team perspective being able to provide the marketing dashboard the sales dashboard the you know r d da whatever dashboards they're having to provide and they can see to your point 
okay, so now the marketing analyst and the, the head of marketing can see that when we turn X knob, Y happens, that's awesome. And that makes the business better. Like that has to be a good feeling for everybody. And I don't, to your point, I don't understand why we don't all want that really good feeling. So yeah, therein lies the paradox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. We really, really, really appreciate it. And this has been a fun conversation. Um, I think at least kind of sitting back and listening. So um, great. Sure. Always, always love talking about it. Yep. Good. Sure. Well, we will um, take that and make you come back again soon. So <laughs> be careful what you say to me because I will, we'll, we'll schedule you in again. So awesome. Well, Michael, as always, thank you as well. But Jared and Cyrus, really, we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Our pleasure. It's always super interesting to hear from a team that is embedded in the challenges day to day and have a really clear understanding of how organizations can either avoid those challenges or overcome them. I want to extend a big thank you to Jared and Cyrus for joining us today. And as always, we want to hear from you. If you have any suggestions for guests or topic areas you'd like to hear about, you can always reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Welcome to a new era of data engineering.